0: All right, welcome to Teaching Others Also. Joshua chapter 8 today. Joshua chapter 8. And let us spend a little time in Joshua 6, 7, and 8. And then last few minutes will be in 1 Samuel 23. Every now and then you'll see a phrase or a thought that hits you. And a lot of times for me it happens when I'm reading through my Bible. Like I might be reading through and and uh you know you're into the subject matter or you're into the story that's being recounted and as you you get into it you realize you know there's some there's a real lesson here a real pattern and recently reading through the book of joshua this hit me and i'm going to start off in joshua 8 with a couple verses and then what we'll do is we'll go and set up a little little you know context of it a little background so joshua chapter 8 verses 1 and 2 let's read that together and the lord said unto joshua fear not neither be thou dismayed take all the people of war with thee arise go up to ai see i have given into the into thy hand the king of ai and his people and his city and his land And thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall ye take for prey unto yourselves. Lay thee in ambush for the city behind it. Now we're going to give a little backstory here because it means a lot. But my subject matter is on to the next. On to the next. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 8 will communicate to us on to the next, when we pick it up and look at it in terms of what's happening. Now, the children of Israel have come through their 40 years, okay, and they've wandered in the wilderness, waiting to go into the promised land, waiting for the generation who would not trust God to go in, waiting for them to die off, and they do. Moses dies, and the Lord puts Joshua in charge. Joshua is the Old Testament equivalent of the name Jesus, and you find it used as such in the book of Hebrews. And so the picture is for a New Testament believer here in 2023. It's often called a picture of victorious Christian living, as the title of Alan Redpath's little book that was put together from some of his preaching. So when we come to this, there's the max story is that they come into the promised land they cross the jordan river on dry land at its flood time no mere feet a miracle a second miracle of water crossing okay and they cross over and after they cross over the lord has all of them and they're grown many of them i mean uh, they are the children of those who died off from the initial generation that left the promised land He has them all, all the males, circumcised. He doesn't do it before they cross over. When they do that, they're vulnerable and God protects them during their healing time. They're so vulnerable that there's a a passage later, a passage earlier, rather, in Genesis, where two of the brothers talked these fellows into getting circumcised, these grown-up males. And they were so wounded from it that they were able to go in and, and slay them. They destroyed them and it brought a curse upon those brothers. So God has them trusting that way. And the picture when they cross the Jordan River is death to self. When they cross the Red Sea, it's death to the world in that it pictures what the blood of Jesus Christ has done. It has paid for the sins of the world and delivered us in principle from Egypt. Now it's time for them to enter into a relationship with God on a conquering level of death to self. Our conquering is not earthly. Our conquering is not governmental in the age in which we live. It is actually a initial conquering of within. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost if you're saved. And so it starts within and, it, and that is the territory God wants to rule over. It will influence those around us. But this world is not our home and this kingdom, the world is not our kingdom. It's the kingdom of God that we live in, which is righteousness peace and joy in the holy ghost so the picture is they go in they (coughs) march around jericho they shout when they're told to the walls fall down and they defeat jericho there was a problem though in chapter 6 i hope you got your bible open look at chapter 6 and verse 19 he's telling them to go in he's telling them verse 17 the city will be accursed in other words God's going to judge it and you should make notice of note of that word in your authorized version this thing of the word accursed it's important it means the curse haven't been pronounced on it and so he says the city shall be accursed verse 18 ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing okay lest you make yourselves accursed what by possessing it and so in verse 19, all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the, 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 the rule is clear. Don't take the spoils of any of this for yourselves at all, period. This first victory is a first fruit unto the Lord. They conquer the city. They get through with the city. And the Lord tells us in chapter 7, verse 1, written after the fact that the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. Now, this is written after what we're going to find out in chapter 7. And it says, For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So, they're supposed to go and take the next city, which is Ai. So, in verse 2, Joshua sends these men from Ai, from Jericho to Ai and spies out the land. Okay? So, in leading up to what I want to talk about, we're going to look at three things, and we're going to look at this thing of on to the next. So, by the time we come back to Ai for another attack in chapter 8, some things are going to happen that teach us a couple lessons. Now, the temptation had been too much for Achan. If you want to market a great Bible uh, lesson verse, sermon text, chapter 7, verse 21 of Joshua, he confesses, Achan does, and he says, when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment, boy, you could preach on that forever, and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them. So he said in the very first sentence, when I saw them, he says, then I coveted them, and then he says, and took them, behold, they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So he doesn't get anything out of it. He just has it. He can't tell anybody about it because it's a curse. And everyone knows it's it's. he's bringing a curse. If he told them. You know, it's like the, the silly little joke. It's funny. There was a pastor who was a golfer and uh, he just wanted to play golf desperately. So one time he decided... He was going to have his assistant preach for him. And he was just going to take the day off and not really tell anybody where he's at. And, and so, uh, he tells his assistant, I need you to preach. I'm got, I'm not going to be available, et cetera. He gets his tea time. He goes out, he tees off Sunday morning and, uh, Gabriel or Michael, or one of the angels says, Lord, you're going to let him get away with that. He goes, no, no, I'm not. So he goes out there and plays a couple holes, comes to a par three. If you know anything about golf, par three, you hit the ball onto the green with your first shot And it's a par three because you hit it on in one and two putt for par. So he hits his shot and it hits down about five feet in front of the the hole and it rolls and rolls and rolls. And as it's rolling up, one of the angels says, I thought you were going to deal with him and, and discipline him, Lord. He goes, I am, I am, just watch. And he gets there and it rolls and rolls and it goes in the hole and the guy's shouting and happy. And then it dawns upon him, he's sitting out there on a Sunday morning all by himself. And he can't brag on it to anyone. And then the angels were like, yeah, that got him good. Okay. Well, that's where Aiken's at. Aiken's in a situation, my friend, where he's got this stuff, but he can't do nothing with it. And it's like a child of God gets themselves in a bind because maybe they covet something or want something or pursuing something, but it's completely out of character with what the Lord wants for him. And it's out of character for what they ought to be doing. So, At AI the first time, chapter 7, is where we're going to make the first of our three points. I'm going to give you the three points. Okay, ready? Each battle is a new battle. Now, hear me out later and you'll see. I'm totally aware that the hymn says each victory will help you, some other to win, and it will. But only if you treat each battle as a new battle. The second thing we're going to learn is extermination is a key. To moving on. A key. Not only the key, but a key. And thirdly, engage the next battle with confidence. If you follow this pattern. So the first one is that each battle is a new battle. They've won, they've won Jericho. You get this, right? They've won Jericho. Not only have they won Jericho, but you know the fear is on everyone. So, in chapter 7, Joshua is going to practice some good practices They're good practices. It's called recon. He sends two out. He's learned his lesson. He's not going to send a committee. He's going to send a two, a two-man team. They're going to go out, and they're going to recon, reconnoiter. They're going to bring him back the intel, intelligence, from their recon, and they do. Recon's a good idea. Now, here's where we find the Bible teaching us, even about ourselves, a glitch. So, in, in verse 2, he sent them from Jericho to Ai, and they went and viewed it. Verse 3, they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to go, for they are but few. So, they did not come back and give him a recon report. A recon report would have been, there's several thousand of them, uh, you know, <clears throat> they're not on guard, etc., cetera, et cetera. That would be recon. They come back and they give him battle plans by saying, let not us all go but two or three thousand. For they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men and they fled before the men of Ai. They got defeated and they lost 36 men. Now you got to understand what's happened. Forty years in the wilderness. They crossed the Jordan River. They march quietly around Jericho. They shout and they get the victory. I mean, they're ready to win. And God had said, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, you'll have victory. And yet, what happens? They get defeated and they lose the battle. So they get defeated. And they come back. Of course, they're, they're I would be deeply worried if I was them. And they've lost 36 men. Three out of each tribe. So, Joshua, in verse 6, he rents his clothes and falls on his face to the earth. And before the ark of the Lord, until the eventide. He's, he's on his face. And he and the elders of Israel, they put dust on their heads. They're like, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people? Now, this is not like Joshua. This is where I want you to get this, please. This is huge. This is a really, really big situation, even for Joshua. So you understand that the Joshua himself is deeply disturbed here. This is not sounding like Joshua, okay? He wasn't like that during the 40 years in the wilderness. He wasn't like that when there was no water. He wasn't like that when they were complaining. He's, he's, he's deeply concerned. And he said did you bring us to deliver us in the hand of the amorites to destroy us would to god we had been content and dwelt on the other side of jordan you know, get this not go back to egypt but not crossing jordan so it's a picture of something that happens in our life we 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 engage in the crucified life we die to self we make the decision we cross the jordan river we, you know we we've marked it down in our bible we We're serious about it. We get victories over things we didn't know we could get victory, you know, over large enemies, uh, impossible enemies. And then something little defeats us, and it scares us, and it makes us think, what in the world have I done? Maybe I should be on the other side of Jordan, at least over there. We weren't in Egypt, but we weren't going to get defeated. And he said, Lord, what shall I say, verse 8, when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. What wilt thou do unto thy great name? And you would think the Lord would pat him on the back and say, now, Joshua. No. The Lord said unto Joshua, are you ready? Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing." And have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except ye destroy the accursed thing from among you. Up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee. O Israel, thou canst not stand before thine enemies, until you take away the cursed thing from among you. So you understand that this is serious. So there's the recon and then there was the reasoning. They were working on ratios. Okay? They didn't receive direction because they never asked. They do the same thing in Joshua chapter 9. In Joshua 9, they looked at the old clothing and the old food, and they made an assumption, and they made a conclusion. They didn't actually ask. It says they sought not counsel of the Lord. If you want to write it down, chapter 9, verse 14. They receive direction, but they don't receive it from God. And then there is the regret from the repercussion that sets in. Repercussion is is, is from some simple Latin words about to beat and to beat back. And that's where we get the word reverb from when you get sound reverberation. It's where we get the part of the word recoil from. They have a regret from the repercussions, they have a reaction in that they're scared to death. This is this whole thing. And then what God does in His mercy, He gives them a rebuke. Why? Because each battle is a new battle. This is so important for us to remind ourselves of. Each battle is a new battle. Are there similarities? Yep. Will there be some similar circumstances? Yep. Even even tactics God gives you. Yep. But each battle is a new battle. Now, in this one that they lost, the second point is that extermination is a key to moving on. So Achan had a chance. Listen, he tells them we're going to do this tomorrow. Achan does nothing. Then they begin by lot to cast and say, uh, is it tribe A or B? It's a white and a black stone. Urim and a thummim. And they put it in the in the ephod, the pouch of the uh, priest, and they reach in and so okay, we're going to take A. Out of A, we've got two more tribes under there. And they kept going. And they, they nailed it down and they found Achan. So they rise up early in the morning, verse 16, and they do this process. And finally, in verse 17, he brought the family of Judah, the Tsarites, the Tsarites, uh, the Zabdiites, and he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zer, the the tribe of Judah was taken. My son, he says, I pray thee, verse 19, give thee glory to God, the Lord God of Israel. Make confession. Tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. Well, where else is he going to go? And finally, he says, I have sinned. He didn't come overnight and say, Joshua, I know you're fixing to do this tomorrow. I've sinned. I don't know that the outcome would have been any better. But the outcome was this. They exterminated him. Notice this word accursed in chapter 7, verse 1, and, and verse 11, and 12, and 13, and 15. <laughs> it's mentioned again in, in Joshua twenty twenty about their family being affected. In chapter uh, 6, verse 17 18. In other words, accursed. Uh, Paul said, I could wish myself accursed from Christ for my kinsmen. Accursed is a condemnation. It's a damnation. So we understand here that there are things that extermination is the only solution. So they did. They took all the stuff that was supposed to belong to God. What was the real problem? This was supposed to be God's. In a minute, we're going to go on to the next, and you'll understand why it was so important and yet so simple. Why this whole thing was so important and yet so simple. In Galatians 1, he said this, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that ye have received, let him be accursed. Why is that so important? Because if we're not careful, we forget that there are some things that the only solution is to drive them away from us. You know, he makes a statement in 1 Corinthians chapter sixteen, twenty-two: If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha, And that is, that anathema is another synonym for cursed. is the Lord cometh. He's saying that there are things that the only solution is to exterminate them. Now, you say, how do we exterminate something in our life? Well, the way we exterminate something in our life is to put it under the blood. You say, so if there's a doctrine, someone's preaching or something, you know, they can put it, they can put it under the blood. But we have to do is, we have to put a defeat under the blood of Christ and let it be exterminated, gone. The word Ekron means extermination, one of those border towns of Judah. Why is that important? Once you put it under the blood, then it's time to go on to the next. On to the next. Now, I'll demonstrate that in a second. But Right now, what I want it to sink in is is it's not taking someone out and exterminating them like they did Achan that's Old Testament but there are certain doctrines there are certain sins and habits and things that short of an absolute change of that person a, a supernatural change it needs to be exterminated in other words put out terminated it needs to be put out of the congregation, and it needs to be put out of your friendships and out of your lives. And here, now we're not talking about not letting somebody be restored. We're not. We're not talking about First Corinthians five where he sinned and they rebuked, and then in Second Corinthians they were having trouble forgiving. No, he really repented. We're not talking about that. But there are going to be defeats we have because we are not dealing with the root of the thing. You see, in the beginning. Each battle is a new battle. So they fought Jericho. Now it was time to fight Ai, but there was something wrong. If they had inquired of the Lord, it looks to me like the Lord would have said, before you go to Ai, we have a problem. But they didn't inquire of the Lord. And so as someone has said, the Lord's a gentleman. He didn't butt in. He said, okay, Joshua, you've been with me all this time. You've been with Moses. You know what's right. And so Joshua, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, buddy. I'm going to wait and see how you handle it. We're going to handle it eventually, Joshua. Let's just see how you handle it. Once you take something and you deal with it, and they were wrong, they let it come in. And, And the reason it's so important for us is that we have to put things away sometimes, put them away. We cannot play around with, like Galatians 1, any kind of preaching that's not gospel preaching. You can't play with that. It's too deadly. It's too dangerous. You can do it as politely and gentlemanly, but it. you don't have to, uh, if you had to deal with something that was violent, don't even have to yell to do it. You just deal with it. And so if you have to deal with something that is doctrinal, something that is moral, we still have to deal with it. Extermination. Now, one of the ways, of course, is what? Is the blood of Christ. So when 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 if you make an error you approach a new battle okay like they did here at ai without god's direction and it's coming off bad or there's a bad outcome and you know that lord promised victory then what you do is you go back and you deal with it and you find out what the problem is but here's the great truth of the message today chapter 8 verses 1 and 2 again and the Lord said unto Joshua you ready fear not neither be thou dismayed does that sound familiar does that not sound like Joshua chapter 1 verses 7 to 9 and all the passage around it fear not neither be thou dismayed take all the people would you circle that in your bible I think that's a good thing to circle take how many of the people all the people what was their advice by way of reasoning after their recon in chapter seven, if you look across the page, let not all the people go. And God said, no, I wanted all the people to go. See, they were thinking they, they had allowed themselves to get over there into human reasoning. They'd allowed themselves to get over into human thinking. And that reasoning had gotten in the way. And so he says to him, take all the people who war with thee, arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into thine hand, the king of Ai and his people and the city and his land. And thou shalt do to Ai and her king. Now watch this. As thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Now mark this next place. Only. The spoil thereof and the cattle thereof. Ready? Shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves. Lay thee in ambush for the city behind it. And they do. Why is that so important? Because our third point is engage the next battle with confidence. God didn't have them go backwards and win Ai and and do what they were supposed to do at Jericho and all the stuff belonged to him. No. They had their defeat, they did their the extermination, they got it right, they rooted out that issue. Now he said, Let's go through this battle. Use all the people, number one. Use an ambush, number two. Okay? So, he's saying, on to the next. We're not going backwards. We as humans often go backwards to try to make up for things. Today's Oswald Chambers, one of his devotions today, was on this thing of prayers, is, is, is It's not our intensity in prayer. It's the grounds upon which we come. So, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man isn't about how how many times I can say, Lord, bless, Lord, bless, Lord, bless. It's the effectual fervency I come in the name of Jesus Christ, in the blood of Christ, knowing that this is in keeping with the who God is. A few A's here real quick. All your assets. See, not reasoning, not ratios, not analyzing all the assets, all your strengths. The second, he says, absolute victory, absolute victory. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to give you all of it. And then he says, you're going to have to use an ambush. (laughs) Verse two and verse seven, he calls it that, an ambush. And, and by the way, at the end of, in verse eight, he hasn't practiced that extermination. But here's the thing about on to the next. He didn't tell them to change what they did with the spoil the first city jericho was god's first fruits to him all of it the second city was for them to divide up so in our christian life i believe it's important to remind ourselves come over to first samuel 23 first samuel 23 we won't preach this whole passage or read this whole whole passage it's about 14 verses i believe Yeah, 1 Samuel 23, but I want to point you to it. Maybe you'll write it down and read it later. Only God can apply this to our individual lives, but the principle is he doesn't go backwards on us. They won Jericho. They had sin in the camp. They dealt with it, and then it was on to the next. They engaged the next battle with confidence And it was the same conditions, the same expectations, the same after action results as it was intended the first time. That's the God that we know. That's the God of our Bible. He put it in there for us. So David, in chapter 23, verse 1, Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they robbed the threshing floors therefore David inquired of the Lord saying shall I go and smite these Philistines the Lord said to him, David go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah so he, he asked him and he says go do it and they did now before he went look at verse 3 David's men said to him behold we be afraid so David inquired of the Lord yet again verse 4 and the Lord answered him and said arise go unto Keilah for I will deliver the Philistines in thy hand they, they said David are you sure you got the message right did you read it right he said okay i'll ask again he did so he went then in verse 7 after all this it was told saul that david was come to keilah and so saul's going to come down there to this town this village and find him david knew in verse 9 that saul secretly practiced mischief against him and he said to Abiathar the priest bring hither the ephod and so he asked him he said lord lord i've heard this verse 10 Will the men of Keilah, verse 11, deliver me up into his hands? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell me. And the Lord said, ready? First, he says, he will come down. Then, David said, will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? He said, they will deliver thee up. So off they went. And they had to live, you know, as they say, hand to mouth on the lamb for a while. But here's the thing. Each battle was different he approached each battle as a new battle okay i'll go i'll go deliver him from the philistines now will these men of keilah deliver me lord he said yep they will head out so he didn't fight the men of keilah and he didn't stand fight saul that wasn't his fight at that time to fight he never did fight saul so perhaps it would just be a thought in your mind uh, you get some victories you lose one and you go lord What was it? And Lord said, well, you were kind of leaning on your own self here. You were kind of leaning to your own understanding here. And you go, huh, okay, all right, I got it. And you say, Lord, what do I do now? You exterminate, he said. You get rid of the issue that it was. Your self-reasoning, maybe be covetousness. uh, in, In that case, like it was, you know, maybe just be flat out or a little bit of rebellion. And the Lord says, now engage the next battle with confidence. We're not going backwards. We're not changing the conditions of the victory. On to the next. We pray thee, Father God, you use this. I pray thee in Jesus' name, amen.